our scripture reading, I invite you to turn to Leviticus chapter 1. Leviticus chapter 1, I'll begin reading at verse 1 to the end of the chapter, verse 17. Following the reading of the Word of God, I'll turn to Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 6, question and answer 19, which can be found on page 207. Let us not hear God's word. The Lord called Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. Then he shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall bring the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting." Then he shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into pieces, and the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. And the priest shall burn all of it, on the altar as a burnt offering, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his gift for a burnt offering is from the flock, from the sheep or goats, he shall bring a male without blemish, and he shall kill it on the north side of the altar before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall throw its blood against the sides of the altar, and he shall cut it into pieces and its head and its fat and the priest shall arrange them on the wood that is on the fire on the altar. But the entrails and the legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer all of it and burn it on the altar. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. If his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring his offering of turtle doves or pigeons. And the priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head, and burn it on the altar. Its blood shall be drained out on the side of the altar. He shall remove its crop with its contents and cast it beside the altar on the east side in the place for ashes. He shall tear it open by its wings, but shall never sever it completely. And the priest shall burn it on the altar, on the wood that is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, a food offering, with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. As far as the reading of God's word, may it his blessing upon the preaching and teaching of it. Now I want to draw your attention to the catechism, Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 6, question and answer 19. The catechism teaches an important biblical truth that it's absolutely necessary that the mediator, who is true God and true man, Pay our debt of sin, original and actual sin. The mediator must be able to carry 
the burden of sin and God's wrath in order to save us completely, to redeem his people. God's justice must be satisfied. The mediator must come in the likeness of human flesh. That's what the catechism teaches because that is what the Word of God teaches. The Word of God teaches this. And we read this this morning from Romans chapter 8, how Jesus the Son came in the likeness of human flesh to take our sins upon himself and bear the wrath of God, bear the curse of the law. He must earn for us and restore to us righteousness and life. Now we get to question and answer 19 in the catechism. How do you come to know this? And the question, or the answer to the question says this, the Holy Gospel tells me God himself began to reveal the gospel already in paradise. Later, he proclaimed it by the holy patriarchs and prophets and foreshadowed it by the sacrifices and other ceremonies of the law. And finally, he fulfilled it through his own beloved son. In my ministry, I haven't had the opportunity to preach through portions of Leviticus. I thought it would be a good time to do that. And focus for the next several weeks during the evening service, what the catechism says here, that the Holy Gospel is taught even in the sacrificial laws and ceremonies of the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant foreshadowed the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to take a few weeks to go through these sacrificial laws in Leviticus. It seems that whenever a Christian, perhaps it's during the new year, decides to read through the Bible in a year, they start off pretty well. They get through Genesis pretty well. And then it's not until maybe a little bit past the middle of Exodus when you start getting to laws and the tabernacle and the ways in which God prescribed the tabernacle to be built that the people of God become a little bit weary in reading the Bible through a year. And then they get to Leviticus. And they see this bloody business of sacrifice. The priesthood was a bloody business. And so the Christian, working through the Bible in a year, getting to Leviticus, might walk away with little understanding, little, mean, or little understanding as to the purpose and meaning of the book. But they'll say, yeah, this is the fulfillment of Christ. They'll read books like Hebrews. They'll read a gospel like Matthew, Mark, and say, yeah, this is, these sacrificial laws are fulfilled in Christ. But when God gave these sacrificial laws in Leviticus, what did each one point to specifically? What was the purpose of each one Specifically, what was the symbolic meaning of each one specifically? 
Where do we find its ultimate fulfillment? How did Christ fulfill each sacrificial law specifically? The book of Leviticus teaches a very important truth about the nature of God, doesn't it? It teaches us that God is holy and we are not. God is holy and we are not. Human beings cannot draw near to God in a state of sin because God does not commune or fellowship in the presence of sin. And Leviticus is key to understand the way in which God's people are able to draw near to a holy God and be accepted by God. And that acceptance was through a blood sacrifice. By his love, God called, you remember, God called Israel to be his chosen people. They were at least among the nations. God desires to have fellowship with his people. He gave his law to his people. Because of sin, he provided a temporary fellowship or temporary way to show their devotion to him, to commune with him, and to receive his blessings. And that was through the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. And the first of sacrificial laws that was to be performed at the tabernacle, at the tent of meeting, was the burnt offering, or otherwise known as the whole burnt offering. What's the purpose of the burnt offering, or the whole burnt offering? You see, burnt offerings were not uncommon in the ancient world. They were even practiced in certain nations and cults. They date back early on in human history after the fall of man. In fact, a burnt offering was provided by Abel. And his offering was better than the offering of his brother, says the Lord. The burnt offering was understood more by Abraham as redemptive history went on. You remember that Abraham was commanded by God to sacrifice his son Isaac. Show me how, much, how devoted you are to me. Offer up your son. The moment he was about to slay his son, the angel spoke. Do not do it. I know that you're devoted to me, Abraham. And then there's a ram provided. For Abraham to offer a burnt offering to the Lord. So the burnt offering goes back. And is full, it gets more fully developed by the prophet Moses. When he receives instruction from the Lord. And how to build the tent of meeting and the tabernacle. It's in the book of Leviticus where we have the sacrificial laws. The proper way to offer a sacrifice the way that God wants it to be offered, a way that is acceptable and pleasing to Him. Because God is the one who determines how we come to Him, not man. God determines how we come to Him and have fellowship with Him, communion with Him, not man. It was after the Exodus that God commanded Moses to erect the tabernacle or tent of meeting, this portable place of worship that was built outside of the Israelite camp. If you would turn in the back of your sermon notes, I have a couple pictures there for you. Kind of an idea of what 
archaeologists believe was the way in which that tent of meeting was built. The main entrance was east. So from the east, the people of God entered the courts, God's courts, and prepared themselves to meet with God. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus 33, beginning at verse 7. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. You wanted to seek the Lord and find him? This is the means by which God tells the people of God to find him. Go to the tent of meeting. Verse 8, whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Mo- with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the tent, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. If you're taking notes, you can also look at Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 to 38. The first purpose of the burnt offering was for the worshiper to find fellowship with God to seek and find the Lord, going to the tent of meeting, to maintain communion or fellowship with God, it was imperative that God, uh, the people offered the whole burnt offering because in the offering, one's whole heart, one, one's whole being is being offered to the Lord. A person who is a sinner seeks the Lord at the tent of meeting and is accepted by the Lord when he brings the animal that God prescribes for that offering. The purpose of the burnt offering was for the worshiper to seek fellowship with God. The purpose of the burnt offering, secondly, was the way in which the worshiper was accepted by God. And we see that in our passage. Verse 2 and 3, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, When any one of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of livestock from the herd or from the flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer a male without blemish. He shall bring it to the entrance of the tent of meeting that he may be accepted before the Lord. And so the tent of meeting is set up so that the people can seek and find the Lord. But they come with a gift. They come with their offering. The worshiper comes with an offering so that they would be accepted by the Lord. Third, 
The purpose of the burnt offering was the way in which the worshiper expressed his or her devotion to God. Again, the whole animal burned all of it at the altar. The smoke offering, or the smoke from the offering ascended into the heavens, into the nostrils of God, and it was a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The word for actual, actually, the word for burnt offering is a word where we get ascending, ascend. The burnt offering or the ascended offering went up to the Lord. And the person was accepted by the Lord as he gave his life through the animal sacrifice. And we'll talk about the symbolic nature of that in a moment. But the purposes of the burnt offering is for the worship to seek fellowship with their Lord. To be accepted by the Lord when they come to the tent of meeting. And it was a way in which the worshiper expressed his devotion to God. He calls his people to voluntarily, totally, and wholeheartedly commit themselves to the Lord. In fact, it was the one who offers the sacrifices. The one who sacrifices the animal and fillets them. Did you notice that in the passage? That the offerer shall bring the offering to the entrance of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. It is the offerer who shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for sin. Then it is the offerer shall kill the bull before the Lord, and Aaron's son the priest shall take the blood and throw the blood against the sides of the altar that is at the entrance of the tent of meeting. The offerer devotes this time of worship to God in the way in which he is called to sacrifice his own offering to the Lord. It's the priests who mediate before God on behalf of the people with the blood. With the blood is where the, and the offering of the animal on the altar, where the priests come in and mediate and do that for, or on behalf of the people. The purpose of the burnt offering, friends, is to show whole devotion to God, just as the sacrifice was wholly devoted in the fire, and it was a pleasant aroma to God. So too, the Israelite who comes devoted to God is a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Psalm 9 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. Psalm 69, therefore with my heart, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. Psalm 31, 5, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. My whole heart and this is now signified in the burnt offering. The worshiper, through his representative, the animal, denies himself even unto death. The burnt offering was totally consumed. Totally consumed. Friends, God wants our all. 
He doesn't want part of you, some of you. He wants our all. Holy, devoted to the Lord. God, our Lord and Creator, is the God who called Israel to be His prized possession. He owns His people. He is their all in all. He is our all in all. And it is incumbent upon His people to give back to God what He has so graciously given to us, namely Himself. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ says, if you want to be disciples, take up your cross and follow Me. If you want to be My disciples, you must deny yourself. And follow me. Wholehearted devotion. It's the purpose of the burnt offering. Let's look more closely at this burnt offering by looking at its meaning symbolically. The symbolic meaning of the burnt offering. What are we to make of such a bloody religious ritual? It was a mess. We're talking about many, many animals being sacrificed. But God commands his people to draw near to him with the offering. Now take note, God commands that the burnt offering was acceptable to him, that was acceptable to him, was either from the herd, a bull, the flock, a goat or sheep, or bird, turtle dove or pigeons. Did you see that in the three sections there? For the burnt offering, the instructions there, the laws. Many commentators say, and I, I agree with them, and many interpreters, that the three different categories are available to the worship depending on what's available to the family. God cares for the rich and poor who come to Him, the poor who can't afford the bull, or even a sheep or goat can bring a turtle dove or pigeon. They were commanded to bring one of the three to the tent of meeting to be accepted. To bring the animal and slay it. Slaughter it. That's what altar means here. Altar means to slay or to slaughter and the altar was slightly higher than the earth. So that the offering is before the view and eyes of the worshiper and the people. And so the people see the smoke ascend into heaven. The altar showed the Israelites that the first step for sinful man to approach a holy God was to bring this sacrifice and to be accepted by God and to be atoned for. The burnt offering means that by God's grace, the animal is the worshiper's substitute and the animal atones for the worshiper. Verse 4 says, he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it shall be accepted for him to make atonement for him. The animal symbolically atoned for the worshiper before God. The offerer laid his hand on there identifying with the animal 
And the animal is now the substitute for the worshiper. And that animal will make atonement for sin. Atonement before God. The word atonement oftentimes in the Old Testament refers to cover. To cover the wrath of a deity. To cover or appease the wrath of God, the judgment of God. So when the offer comes, when the worshiper comes and brings this offering to find communion and fellowship with God, a sacrifice, one that atones or covers the judgment and wrath of God, needs to be made so that there is communion then with God himself. The sacrifice of the animal and its blood covered the sin from the wrath and judgment of a holy God. And then in this offering, in the burnt offering, we see this atonement take place. Now you may have noticed that verses 3 and 4 are very important verses, but they're not repeated as it relates to the gift for a burnt offering from the flock or from the birds. Many interpreters believe, and I, I would agree with them on this, that it refers to all three. That this is kind of the preface to the entire offering of the, the herd and the goat and sheep from the flock and from the birds. That these animals are offerings to atone for the offerer, the worshiper, so that he may come into God's presence and communion, fellowship with God. And so this burnt offering symbolically sets the animal apart in the place of the sinner to be accepted by God as the worshiper identifies himself with the animal that's sacrificed. And by the grace of God, God accepted the animal in the place of the offer. And consequently, he accepted the offer. This is the way God prescribed the sacrificial law of the burnt offering. Holy devotion to God first requires an offering that atones, covers God's wrath, covers God's judgment upon the worshiper. Secondly, the burnt offering means that mediation by a priest is required. Mediation by the priest, the sons of Aaron, because the priest is ordained by God to be an office bearer, to intercede between the offerer and the offering, to take the blood and throw it on the altar all around Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no communion with God. Without the shedding of blood by a mediator, by an intercessor appointed by God. There's no offering acceptable to God. And so the priest, in obedience to God, throws the blood and we see this in the offering of the bull, in the offering of the sheep and the goats. But it's the offerer, the worshiper, who does the slaying, who does the filleting, 
who does the sacrifice because he's wholly committed to the act of worship. He's devoted to God. God approves the sacrifice of the altar offerer through the priests, and it's a pleasing aroma to God. Holy devotion to God. As the whole burnt offering was totally consumed, we see this in our text that when the offerer, the worshiper, flayed the burnt offering and cut it into pieces. The sons of Aaron, verse 7, shall put fire on the altar and arrange the wood on the fire. And Aaron's sons of priests shall arrange the pieces, the head and the fat, on the wood that is on the fire and on the altar. But its entrails and its legs he shall wash with water. Why? Because the filth from the entrails, the guts, need to be washed out and cleansed. The legs that go through the muck need to be washed and cleansed because it needs to be a perfect offering. And the priest shall burn all of it on the altar as a burnt offering. A food offering with a pleasing aroma to God. With the sheep or the goats, the same is true. The blood is thrown on the altar by the priest. What's different with the birds is that the priest is the one who wrings off the neck of the bird and spreads the blood and burns up the bird on the altar. But notice, but shall not sever it completely. The point in all three of these burnt offerings of the bulls, the goats, and sheep And the birds is to show whole devotion to God, wholly burnt up. And this is where you find the fulfillment of the burnt offering in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The good news or the gospel of our mediator Jesus is foreshadowed in the sacrifice of the whole burnt offering. Because in Leviticus 1, we see in here foreshadowed that Jesus Christ is the offerer, he is the offering, and he is the priest. He is all three because he must be all three in order to bring about a perfect redemption, a perfect salvation before a holy God and to cleanse us thoroughly for all eternity. Jesus first is both the offerer and the offering. Jesus is the offerer. He's our elder brother as the author of Hebrews writes. Our elder brother, the true Israelite. The perfect Israelite, the obedient and righteous Israelite. He is the offerer who is approved by God because of his perfect life, because who he is, true God and true man. He is approved by God because he is the righteous and holy sacrifice to God. He is the offering who doesn't bring an animal, a bull, a goat, or a sheep. He is the perfect offerer because he is the perfect offering. He brings himself. He, is, he brings himself to the altar because he is the one who is truly holy, devoted to God, committed to God. The true Israelite who worshiped God in truth and purity. The true Israelite 
who was an offering to God in his whole life, committing his life to the Father in heaven, committing his life even unto death, giving his whole life to God for God's people. You see, friends, he is the offerer and the offering, giving his all. He did what we could not do. In Christ Jesus, our sins have been atoned for. He is the offer and offering who atones, covers the wrath and judgment of Almighty God so that we have fellowship and then can wholly be devoted to God by His Spirit and grace. So it's through Jesus that we come to God devoted and commune with Him because Jesus atoned, think of atone at one moment, atone. You have to put Mo in there. At one moment, at one sacrifice on the cross, we have been atoned for. There's no need to offer sacrifices of animals because Jesus is that once for all sacrifice who atones for the sins of his people. And enables us to commit our lives by His Spirit to live before God in holiness and righteousness. We don't offer burnt offerings under the old covenant, but rather we are accepted and proved by God because of the offerer and the offering, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect sacrifice who effectually makes us right with God and covers our souls from the wrath of God. And judgment of God. And now listen to what the Apostle Paul says to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Christ is the pleasing aroma, the pleasing sacrifice to God. Therefore, because Christ died for us and was that pleasing sacrifice to God, be imitators of God. Be lovers of God, for you are beloved children of God. Through the one sacrifice of Christ. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, you know this well. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. A living sacrifice. You are that whole burnt offering before God. Not because of your merits, but because of the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the perfect offering. The one who is pleasing and acceptable in the sight of God. It is through him that we come to God holy and acceptable to God. So friends, Jesus is the offerer. He is the offering. He is our substitute and he is our priest. The one mediator between God and man. 
The very reason why we come to God and commune, to him, commune with Him, have fellowship with Him, the only reason why we seek and find Him is because He first sought us and found us and died for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. He became that great high priest who performed the priestly duty in the order of Melchizedek, which I don't have time to talk about now. Not from the line of Aaron, but from the line of Melchizedek. Only Jesus is the perfect priest who makes intercession for us. A sacrifice that's a pleasing aroma to the Lord. I want to conclude with just a few verses from Hebrews 9. Please turn with me to there. Hebrews 9, beginning at verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. And then verse 22, Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus Christ is the perfect sacrifice acceptable to God. He is the pleasing aroma to the Lord. And in Him, through faith in His name, we become that pleasing aroma to God, being wholly devoted to God by grace and by the Spirit of God who lifts us up to the heavenly places where Christ is seated and we are accepted by Him. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank You for the Old Testament Scriptures that clearly point to the fulfillment found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That He is the one who is the whole burnt offering for the sake of Your people. He is the one who wholly committed His life to You and died a death acceptable in Your sight, atoning for your people, and granting us your grace and your forgiveness. Oh, Father in heaven, we thank you that in the sacrificial laws and ceremonies, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is foreshadowed. 
And on this side of the cross and resurrection, you have granted your church eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is teaching the church of Jesus Christ concerning these sacrificial laws and how they are written for our encouragement and for our faith as we direct our faith to the one sacrifice of Christ, that sacrifice that is pleasing Roma to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.